Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. As always, we are presented by BellyUpSports.com. He is Zane Chapelier. I am Thomas Black, and we are here for a national championship ATS pick and pod between the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies. A lot to get into. Zane, welcome back in. It's been a while since you've been here on the podcast, but welcome back in for one final set of picks as we go through an ATS pick and pod. We have a confidence pick and pod coming up next. And we'll have a lot to talk about with the national championship, but we've had a long bowl season that's gone down with a lot of people getting their eyes on a lot of written picks with some things changing in the background for bowl season. How in the world are you, Zane? I'm doing well. Made it through the holidays, had a lot of football to watch, which is always a good thing. And a little sad we're coming down to the end of it, but it's been one heck of a season. No doubt about it. So Zane, as you look on the bowl season that has been, and as we nearly reach the end of it come Monday night, what are your thoughts on another college football season that's gone by? I know you've uh, worked with us for a couple of seasons, but it's been kind of with some gaps in the middle. It hasn't been a couple of straight. So it'll be interesting to see how we move forward from here, but how you feeling coming off of an entire season in the books with the show with the written picks that you've been giving out on a weekly basis all season long and what went down in bowl season? So overall, I was really happy with how the season played out for me in terms of most of my locks. I feel like I had a pretty positive percentage on those. However, bowl season was rough on me. I'm sure just like it was for a lot of people keeping track of, you know, opt-outs, transfer portal, that stuff plays a big factor into it. But started out hot cooled off in the middle and kind of went 50-50 near the end. So a lot to learn, and it'll be interesting with the uh, postseason changes coming up next season with the expanded playoff. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with the rest of the Bulls with the new system coming into play. Yeah, it is going to be fascinating to see what kind of changes come as we have all kinds of controversy and all kind of viewpoints on what should be done with the bowl games. Of course, the expanded playoff, as you're talking about, there's going to be less bowls available anyway. So it will be fascinating to see what goes down come 2024 and especially beyond, because I don't know how many changes we'll see for this upcoming season that will be permanent. But in the next few years, I'm sure we'll be seeing some big changes come down the line as well. And it'll be fascinating to see how things go down here on the podcast, because we have been working now for 
ever since the inception of our contests and the content that we put out, we've been working with a four-team playoff. And it's made for kind of a simple way and a sense of distributing picks and distributing content, putting it out early December, kind of mid-December as bowl games are kicking off. And then we've kind of got everything out there until the semifinals go down with the playoffs. And then we have this time that Zane and I are putting in right now to talk about the national championship. But in future iterations, we are going to have round after round after round of unknown matchups. And that's going to create a little bit of a wrinkle in the things that we've been doing. But it should be a lot of fun. And Zane, it'll be interesting to see how that works as we try to distribute content that is always interesting, I think. But on an ATS side, that's a little bit simpler because we just have to give out the one pick that's not related to other picks. But then on the confidence side where you always have moving point values and that kind of thing with differing spreads on games and that kind of thing, it is going to be wild to kind of figure out what the right answer is with the stuff that we distribute. Absolutely. I mean, the expanded playoff, it brings a a lot of question marks as just a football fan and former player. You know, I love it. I always think an expanded playoff is a good thing, more competition, more opportunities, especially for smaller programs with automatic bids and at large bids. But from a podcast point of view, it's definitely going to be a little bit more hectic, but it'll be a lot of fun as well. No doubt it should be a lot of fun. So Zane, as we go into an ATS Pick and Pod, let's go ahead and look at the leaderboard where at the top we have a four-way tie for first place heading into the final matchup that will determine what kind of prizes are handed out to which people. In first place, we have a tie between the other co-host of this podcast, Alan Denton, who is not able to join us here today, Derek, myself, Thomas Black, and a team captain. I've seen a couple of different names. I've always referenced him as Kelvin. On the leaderboard, you'll see him as Tyrell. We all have a cumulative record of 24 and 18, hitting at 60% throughout bowl season in the ATS Pick'em, sitting up in the 92nd percentile worldwide. So it's been a pretty successful bowl season for the top group. Zane, it's been fascinating to see how this thing has come down. And all throughout, we've pretty much had two or three people tied at the top of the leaderboard in this thing going on for the last few weeks. But now that we get down to the final championship game with four people tied at the top, it is going to be fascinating to see what goes down on Monday night. Yeah, there's a lot uh, that can happen. And I don't know how y'all are going to pick in order to kind of clear it out. It's probably going to come down to a tiebreaker. So figuring out that total score is definitely going to be key. And I need somebody to dethrone Allen from last year, okay? Why y'all have to do that? (laughs) Well, Allen was kind of the best of the best in terms of the bowl season pick'em slate last year. But on the ATS side, he finished in third place. It was the confidence side that he absolutely dominated and finished in first place. So while he was kind of the overall kind of kingpin of everybody – He hasn't quite topped it out on the ATS side, but he came very close a year ago, and this will be another opportunity for him to come very close this season, along with myself as well. So, man, in a sense, you're absolutely right. Allen is kind of the one that stands out amongst the rest in terms of what went down last bowl season, and he has one chance again to come away with that top spot. And like you said, very correctly, tiebreakers are going to be absolutely vitally important. So if you have not gone in and submitted your total score prediction for Michigan, Washington, or if you went ahead and submitted one 
at the beginning of bowl season before this matchup was determined, make sure you go in and edit that because tiebreakers will determine some of the prizes. They could determine all of the prizes, and that just depends on what side everybody's on with their pick and what the result is. So it'll be interesting to see where everybody's picks are, but unless you are in that group of four at the top that I just mentioned, like myself, unless you pick one side and everybody else is on the other side and you're on the right side of it, then that's the only way to guarantee you can take the top spot. Otherwise, tiebreakers are going to be involved at least for second and third and kicking people out of the top three. Or you could see the scenario where a couple of people land up at the top and have to have first place determined by a tiebreaker. So that is absolutely vital. Other pertinent people in this conversation for the top spots in this pick'em are the people tied in fifth. That is Will and Taylor. They are both 23 and 19, and we'll mention their names because they're just one game back. So if everybody at the top lost all four of their games, then these guys could jump up into a tie, and we could have a six-way tie with tiebreakers determining who finishes in the top three. Or if a couple of people get on the right side and a couple of people get on the wrong side, it leaves the door open for Will and Taylor to possibly end up in third place. So Zane, it is very interesting to know that we do have six people in contention for the top spot, even though we have four people tied for the first place right now. But it is a lot of different places, a lot of different ways this thing could fall. And really any one of us could fall anywhere from first to sixth place, depending on how the tiebreakers fall. Absolutely. And with those tiebreakers, if I was one of the uh, six people that are in contention, I would really be keeping an eye on that over underline because you know how Vegas is. They're usually pretty darn close at setting their lines. It is definitely a good starting point. I don't think anybody should go automatically based exactly on what Vegas says, but it is certainly something to take into consideration. And especially if you can find a number that is fairly advantageous, either above or below that, and you can vary up your score. Just, you know, if you're looking at sevens and threes and how they add up and coming up with a football score that makes sense, maybe go off that by a point or two and give yourself possibly an edge off of somebody else. So there's a lot of different ways to strategize that, but it could be Quite exciting as we head down to the end of the game on Monday night. As we look at other things with our top contenders for these prizes, of course, the prizes are laid out as they were during the regular season. $175 plus a blackout t-shirt for first place, $75 and a t-shirt for second place, $25 and a t-shirt for third place. So Zane, as we're looking at this, of course, if three of the top four all end on the same spot and they win or four of the top four, we know that our winners are going to come from that group of people. But like I said before, if there's two or more of the people lose in the top four, then it does open the door for those other people to jump in as well. So it will be interesting to see what kind of picks are laid out there. But Zane, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and dive into some locks as we head into the national championship. Absolutely. I can't wait to see which way you're going. All right, I am going to lead us because I am sitting in that top group, and as Zane and I get into our picks here, just a little bit of background as we've gone throughout bowl season, and what you're going to be seeing here is Zane and I are going to be either on the same side or we're going to be against each other. We have to lay out a pick for the national championship, so we are either going to have 
a lock party or a lock block, and we'll get into those records as we go. So no, something is coming. But as we look at this game, of course, we've got the top-notch defense of the Michigan Wolverines. We've got the high-flying, best-passing game in the country of the Washington Huskies. And Zane, we have to look at a Michigan defense that has limited just about every single team they've faced for the majority of every game they've played this season. And when you look at a Washington team, a team that started awfully hot, but got cool in the second half of the season, but is heated up again in the Pac-12 championship game, and then against Texas in the semifinal, you really have to figure out what are you going to side with. I know I've heard the opinion from a lot of people that the Michigan run game is going to be able to have some success against a Washington defense that is not that good. And while I agree that Washington's defense is not that good, I still think Blake Corum and company have been pretty limited this season. Now, Washington's defense, I don't know that they're great against the run, but it is the better side of their defense, where they really struggle is in the passing game. And when you look at a Washington offense that is as phenomenal as it is, when they go out there with Michael Penix, Roma Dunze, and the collection of wide receivers they have is one of the best offenses in the entire country. So even though I know that Michigan's defense is very impressive, and they've got one defensive back that has gotten all kinds of props right now from Will Johnson, I still think that limiting this Washington offense is going to be extremely difficult. If it's not Roma Dunze, if you can even limit him, say Johnson puts the clamps down on him, you've still got Jalen McMillan to deal with. And if you can slow him down, you've still got Jalen Polk to deal with. And if you slow him down, you've still got Jack Westover at tight end. You've got Jeremy Bernard coming out of the backfield. It's just Kalen DeBoer's offense has so many weapons. And I know there's a question mark with Dylan Johnson at running back and the injury he had late against Texas. And there's doubts about how effective he's going to be. I think that's a valid question. But when you look at Michigan, I do think that Blake Corum, while he might have success against this Washington defense, I don't think he's going to run wild on them. And when you look at J.J. McCarthy, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, and Colson Loveland, I just don't think they're going to put up huge numbers even against a bad Washington passing defense, one that really did have a lot of success against, I think, a better passing game in Texas. So, Zane, when I have four and a half points that I'm siding with one way or the other, and I really do believe that Washington's offense is – moving at an extremely good clip right now, and they have a rhythm that is really, really important. And when they can spread out a Michigan defense that I don't think is going to have been spread out the way it will be in this game, I think it leaves the door open for Michael Penix to have another very good game and for these receivers to make the difference in Washington covering the spread. So I'm locking up the Huskies plus four and a half points. I do not dislike that take at all. And in terms of confidence of who I think is going to win the game outright, I've been set. But in terms of the spread, I've kind of been on defense. The one question mark I have is how Washington's offensive line is going to handle the Michigan pass rush. That's it. If they can get Penix time, I think he is more than capable of picking apart the uh, Michigan secondary. When I watched the Ohio State game, Ohio State receivers were open. McCord was missing throws or not going through certain progressions. And I saw in the Alabama game as well, there were receivers that were open. But the Michigan pass rush is just something else. And it was the pass rush that won that game. In terms of Michigan's offense, they're putting up at least 24 points against anybody they play. 
Washington, 60% of the time they're throwing the football. Again, that pass rush. But I also think about the tempo. Both these teams offensively play with completely different tempos. Washington is a fast-paced offense. When I look at the team stats, Washington has ran over 900 plays, but they're only sitting around 30 minutes of time of possession. Whereas you look at Michigan, and it's the complete opposite, 32 minutes, so two more minutes of time of possession and 100 less offensive plays in total. Michigan is going to slow it down a little bit more. Washington likes a little bit faster pace. With Michigan's defense, I think they're going to disrupt Washington's pace of play a little bit too much, cause Penix a little bit more pressure than what he's used to. And when Penix is under pressure, his passer rating goes from a 123 all the way down to a 76 and a half. So that's a big drop off when he's under pressure. I really, really, really want to go with Washington on this, but I'm going to take Michigan at minus four and a half. A lock block here for the national championship. So Zane on Michigan minus four and a half. I'm on Washington plus four and a half. And man, the matchups, the style differences, like you highlighted between these two teams, I think it is absolutely fascinating what's going to go down in this game. It's just when I think of a number as big as four and a half, I like the side with Kalen DeBoer's offense and being able to score enough points at different points in this game, whether it's the potential for like a backdoor cover late or something like that, or if it's in a situation where the Huskies can get out on top early, I think Michigan has a really tough time coming back in this game. So I don't know, man. I see the points you're making, and I think this game could teeter kind of on the points we're talking about. But if Michigan's only able to score like four times like you're talking about, I think Washington's going to be there scoring three, four, five times in this game. And it's going to be a matter of can Michigan slow down that offense enough. We've seen some teams do it this season. But I've heard the accusation, the assertion that Penix was hurt through the second half of the season a good bit. I've seen enough from them the last couple of games when I thought that Oregon was going to handle them in the Pac-12 championship, when I had doubts about whether Washington's defense was going to be able to slow down Texas, but then they did. I've seen enough of those things to have faith in this Washington team to score enough points to get a cover here at the very least. I think they can be very competitive in this game and have a shot to win it. And it'll be interesting to see what goes down. But I think absolutely the matchups we're talking about and the defense of Michigan, the defensive line, especially getting pressure, and then Michael Penix and these wide receivers, whether they can get open consistently, I think that's going to determine very much who wins this game. Yeah, and I agree with that. I definitely don't see this being more than a two-score ball game. My concerns with Washington come from, this is not going to be the first time Michigan has seen a loaded wide receiver room. They faced it with Ohio State. Again, I can talk about quarterback production in that game, but Michigan's seen talented wide receiver groups. They haven't faced a quarterback that's as talented as Michael Penix that can both sling it and make plays with his legs, but they have seen him before. He came from Indiana. The one other thing that is really making me lean towards Michigan is something I've gone to all season, turnover margin. Michigan's in plus 17 in turnover margin, Washington's plus two. And the big one with how much Washington passes the football, Michigan is tied for ninth in the nation 
with Washington with 16 interceptions on the year. So with that pass rush, with how pass heavy Washington is, that is a concern for me for the Huskies. Yeah, that's completely fair. I think the one thing that, as you said, Michigan's seen a great wide receiver core in Ohio State, and I 100% agree with that. But I think the real difference maker between those two teams and the matchup we see here is that Kyle McCord was quarterback in Ohio State with Michael Penix for Washington. I think it's a tremendous upgrade for Washington when you're talking about that matchup. So It 100% is. And when you're talking about a game that was going down to the wire, and I think Ohio State could have won that on another day on Michigan's home field – and when Michigan benefited from Will Johnson making a huge play in that game and intercepting a pass down inside the 10-yard line, setting up an early touchdown, I think that you're really looking at an offense that is going to be more difficult for Michigan to defend in this one. So I'll be interested to see what happens. And if Washington gets blown off the ball and Michigan's able to run the ball on them consistently, then everything that I'm saying may go and become a moot point because it may be that Michigan's able to slow down Penix and company just enough to be able to get that cover and win this thing by seven plus points. But I do think that there are some indicators with what we've seen in this matchup with Ohio State, and I'm willing to ride with the hot hand of Michael Penix and company. It will be lovely to see what goes down in this game because it is one that I think there's very much more doubt in this national championship and some than we've had recently. Absolutely. And it's going to be a heck of a game, but that's the one thing about the talking heads, right? You never know what's going to happen until the game is played. Anything can happen. We've seen that many times throughout this bowl season where everybody thought one team was going to dominate and it didn't happen. The game went the complete opposite way. And, you know, that's the beautiful thing about the game. It is a lovely, lovely part of the game of football. Now, as we close up here, just a couple of more things to discuss. Zane and I have gone against each other in a lock-block situation four different times. We are completely split on those. Zane's won two of them. I've won two of them. So this will break the tie, at least for now, for the 2023 season until we move into 2024. And then the other thing that you'll be interested to know if you're listening to this is that you can find where Alan Denton is picking this game if you become a team captain over on Patreon. That's for only $5 a month. Alan's going to be giving away his ATS lock, and it's going to create a lock party with one of the two of us. And so far this bowl season, our lock parties have been completely undefeated. We've had a couple of triple lock parties. Every time Zane and I have been unified, we've won. Every time Alan and Zane have been unified, they've won. Every time Alan and I have been unified, we've won. So we have done a lot of good work through bowl season, Zane, as we've done this thing. And it'll be interesting to see where Alan's picks go. I haven't seen them yet. They might already be in, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And I believe what we're going to call a situation where we have lock parties and a lock block because that's out there already. I think we're going to have a block party is what we're going to call that thing. So one of us will be on the opposite side of a lock party, but it'll be fun to see what happens in this matchup over the weekend. And Zane, the only thing left to do is to talk about what these other people up at the top of the leaderboard should do and giving some advice for landing themselves in the right spot. So of course, if you're in the top four and you want to find your way to a win, If you go on the opposite side of me and you're correct, you're going to land one of the top three spots. That's the encouraging spot right there because if I'm on the wrong side, you can get on the right side and put yourself in a wonderful spot. But Zane, I think there is an argument to play because I'm already in the top four. 
I think you could look at Derek, Tyrell, Kelvin, whatever he goes by specifically. I think there is an argument for both of them to consider taking Washington plus four and a half, matching my pick. And then if Allen were to do the same thing, then all four of us would be on the same page. And whether we're right or wrong, it puts you in a spot where a tiebreaker then decides where you finish in the standings. And I don't think that's a bad situation to be in unless you have a very strong vibe or indication that the other side is the right side with Michigan minus the point. So, Zane, I don't know what you think about that. But to me, if I'm in their position, you know my pick already. Kelvin, Tyrell, he's going to know what Allen's pick is because he's a team captain, so he's going to see that pick as well. So you can make whatever decision you want to, but I think there's a solid base of thinking that would say, go ahead and take Washington plus the four and a half points because it does even you up with what I'm doing and it gives you the opportunity just to beat me on a tiebreaker. And if we're all right, then it separates us from those tied in fifth place. Yeah, I mean, that's a solid strategy. And what I'm hearing from you to go back to the lock blocks and lock party is Alan is going to decide who's going to break our tie. That's what I'm hearing from you. But in terms of the leaderboard, there's a couple of different ways you can do it. Obviously, with a team captain being in there waiting for the email, seeing which way Alan's going, that's a huge advantage because that gives you more options and determining, hey, do I want to go for the tiebreaker or do I want to try to go for the straight up win loss and take it that way? Yeah, a lot of questions and a lot of different ways to think about it. If you're in a tie for fifth place, like I documented earlier, that is Will and that is Taylor. If you all are thinking about the best strategy to put in place, I would say go the exact opposite. Michigan minus four and a half, I think is the spot to be because you already know my pick and neither one of these guys are paying subscribers. So they're not going to hear Alan's pick also in the top four, but That means there's going to be three people in the top four that you don't know the pick of. You know my pick on Washington. And the thing is, you have to pass a couple of people or you have to tie a couple of people to have a shot at that third place or better. So I think it's a better strategy for those tied in fifth to go with Michigan minus the four and a half. You already know one person, being me, that you can go against. You can pick up that game and give yourself a shot at a top three spot. And if there's other people on Washington plus four and a half, like I'm encouraging, it may actually give you a shot at second place, possibly even first place. So I think, again, a solid strategy if you're in that tie for fifth spot, I think go with Michigan minus the four and a half simply because you know one of the picks from the top four, and I think that's a tremendous advantage. But if you subscribe on Patreon at that team captain level for $5 a month, you're also going to find out Alan's pick, and I'll drop those picks on Patreon as a written post as well that'll be viewable by team captains. So it's an opportunity to know ahead of time what some of us are picking, and it gives you the opportunity to have the shot to close the gap to be able to earn one of those top three spots. Yeah, absolutely. That's honestly the strategy I would go with, because like you said, they know which way you're going. And I'm very positive you are not going to be the only person leaning that way with Washington as the plus four and a half. So it's a good opportunity that if Michigan does come out and win it as the favorite, it gives them an even better opportunity to get into the prize pool. Yeah, absolutely. So all I'm saying with that is, If you're in that tie for fifth, you know you have to catch a couple of people inside the top four to even have a shot at the top three. And if you know my pick, it could be that everybody else is on Michigan minus the points, and maybe that ends up burning you. But you're at least using some knowledge 
that is out there to be able to give you an edge to be able to increase your odds of moving that direction. So if you went with Washington plus four and a half, maybe there's a chance that everybody is on Michigan minus four and a half and you get a chance to pass people that way. But at the very least, you've already increased your odds that you know that there are possible picks out there for Washington, knowing that mine is that way. So Zane, it is one of the unique things that we do here on the blackout. We give away picks And when I'm up in the top five, when Alan's up in the top five, anything like that, that would be you as well. But it's a unique aspect of this that listeners can gain an edge against us when we throw our picks out here on the show. Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing about it, um, especially when you come to the end of the competition and some of the hosts are right there in contention. It's an interesting wrinkle in the Pick'em contest that is a part of ESPN as the greater whole. Cause you don't get that in the, the main ESPN comp or the other groups that are out there. No doubt about it. All right, Zane, we have a confidence pick and pod for the national championship to record. So with that, we're going to step away and record over there. Zane, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming back on the show to close out bowl season. And we're looking forward to seeing what kind of picks we have, of course, for the confidence pick and pod coming up next. Absolutely. I'm glad to be back and I'm looking forward to what Alan's throwing out here later this week and to the future. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.